At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Thanks for tuning into our series, The Follower's Trail Guide, Navigating the Path of Jesus, where we're asking the question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? As we walk through Jesus' farewell discourse to his followers in the book of John, we'll learn to follow in the steps of Christ as he marks out the way of discipleship for us. White Lake family, it is, ba- it is uh, great to be back with you this week. I was uh, out sick last week. Pastor Nick did a great job. Uh, but uh, it is good to be back with you and uh, worshiping our Lord together. Now, I'd like to begin this morning with a, uh, a bit of a cultural confession. You guys ready? We're all addicted to happiness. Whatever makes you happy. Whatever makes me happy, that is the mantra of our day. If you're not experiencing happiness on your job, it's fine. Just trade it in and get a different one. If you're not experiencing happiness in your relationship, well, you know what, you can do that too. It doesn't matter. Your significant other, just cast them aside, leave, get something else, trade up, 2.0. Whatever it is that we're going to do for our kids, it, it always leads to their happiness. It doesn't matter if they're 2 or if they're 22. And whatever we do, the cost can be great. Happiness is the key. Few of us would argue that happiness seems to be an emotion that tops all others. It is the goal of anyone in our culture today. And yet, if we're striving to live a biblical, Christ-centered life, and I certainly hope we are, it's important for us to know that the New Testament Scriptures speak very little of the emotion that sits atop our cultural altar. It speaks very little of happiness. Truth is, happiness is only mentioned about a dozen times in the New Testament. Simply put, it is not a high priority. You'd say, well, great, Pastor, where does that lead us? I mean, are believers then supposed to be kind of these dour, sad-faced, mopey, miserable people? Is that what we are to be about? No. Not exactly. Instead, what I am suggesting that for those of us who are in Christ today, that happiness should not be the end goal. Happiness should not be the target upon which we are aiming for. It should not be the goal of the Christ follower. You'd say, well, what is there? Well, Jesus, well, he has something better for us. He's got something deeper, something more meaningful, something that has much more lasting impact than momentary happiness. And we are going to find out what that is after we pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do acknowledge your goodness and your grace in our lives. We do acknowledge today that you have invited us here. With an extra hour of sleep, you have invited us here to sing your praise, to worship you, to declare your truth, to listen and submit our hearts and our minds to your word. So God, would you allow us to do that over the course of these next few moments? 
May we have a humble-hearted posture. May we not come to the text with arrogance, but may we come to the text with humility today, thinking not that we have a better plan or we know more, but really listening to what you have for us, your people today. God, your word is truth. And we need ears to hear this truth today. We need humble hearts to live out this truth. We need eyes to see this truth, God. We need your spirit to lead us into your truth. So do that now, we humbly ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our journey with Jesus continues this morning as we've reached week nine of our followers' trail guide series, and throughout the fall we've been looking at the words of Jesus in a portion of John's gospel. It's commonly called the farewell discourse. Now, in this sharing, in this communication that Jesus has with his friends, he's communicated a number of very important things to us. Just going to give us a quick snapshot. He's communicated about servant leadership. He's communicated about the importance of union with the Father. He's communicated about the importance of faith in Him. He's communicated about the importance of truth. He shared with his friends about the significance of putting love into practice. He's warned them that as believers in Him, we will face persecution, and he has communicated very firmly about the power of the Holy Spirit. He has given all of his friends, he's communicated all of these things to the apostles, and yet in spite of that, in spite of those amazing and powerful truths, the apostles are struggling. They're struggling. That's what we find ourselves in today's text. The, the apostles are disappointed. You could even say they are sad as they keep hearing something from Jesus. He keeps saying this thing that he's going to be leaving. That's why Jesus declared to them earlier in chapter 16, sorrow has filled your hearts see the pursuit of happiness that the apostles were on is clearly not aligning with Jesus' plans here. Do you guys pick that up? When Jesus is talking about all these different things and he's giving them all of the important things that they need to know and he mentions the fact that they're leaving, that is not according to their plans. And so they're struggling. But what Jesus does in our text today is he highlights something and he says, I'm going to give you something that is more than you desire. You're shooting too low. Let's see what I mean. Let's grab our Bibles and turn to John's gospel. We're going to be looking at John chapter 16 and you are going to find that on page 902 in your ESV Bible. And uh, if you do not have a Bible, we do have some for you. Head out down that hallway and there is a stand out there. We'd love to have you uh, be able to give you a Bible as a gift uh, if you do not have one. But if you do have one, we're on page 902, John chapter 16. We're going to pick it up with what Jesus says in verse 16. Jesus says, a little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, you will see me. 
So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while you will see me because I am going to the Father. And they were, so they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. And so Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me again and a little while you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Jesus has just made a bold claim right there. It was right there for all of us to hear. It was right there for all of us to read together for ourselves. Did you guys catch it? Jesus makes this bold and audacious claim that the object and the pursuit of every human being in the world is him. He's it. Jesus is the object of the deepest longings of the human heart. You say, well, wait a second, how, how can this be? How can that possibly be true for every human being? How can Jesus say something so bold? Well, let's be honest, you're in church, it's a Sunday morning, so I guess you already know that what we're going to do is we're going to wrestle with Jesus' claims here a little bit. We're going to turn and look more deeply into the text because what Jesus is suggesting, if it is true, will take us on a path that will lead us all, every person here, to something far more significant, far more meaningful than pure happiness. So let's dig in. Let's look at verses 18 through 22. Jesus says again, a little while... And you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, you will see me, because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. And I'm guessing that if you are like not only like the disciples, but as you turn to this text and as you work through this text, you probably have a little bit of that feeling yourself. I don't know exactly what he's getting at here. What is, Jesus, what is the point that Jesus is trying to make here? Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, and so he said to them, is this what you are asking yourselves, what I meant by saying a little while you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will reap, weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. 
Let's pause right there to summarize what Jesus says, that in a little while the apostles will not see him, but then in a little while after that fact they will see him again. We got that? Okay, that's just this section right over here. Do the rest of us have that? Okay, good. What Jesus is doing in this moment is he is foreshadowing his death and his resurrection. When he would die a sacrificial death on a cross to pay the penalty of sin. He also is telling them that he would rise again. That he would defeat death. Now what I want you to do is try to imagine yourself in this first century setting. You're hanging out with Jesus. You've watched him do his miracles. You've seen him do everything that he's done. You've listened to him preach. And he is telling you he is going to go away and he is going to come back. Mind you, this has never happened in the history of the world. Would you be confused? I think so. If you're like Jesus' friends, you'd probably be incredibly sad too. Jesus just acknowledged that they had troubled hearts. He knows what's going on in our hearts. He sees what's going on in our hearts, and yet he's leaving. And then he adds this little caveat, and oh, by the way, they will laugh at you while you're weeping. Hmm. Church, this helps us see. That to be a follower of Jesus Christ, we must follow Jesus even when it comes in perplexing sorrow. You and I are called, believers are called to follow Christ in seasons of sorrow. You will weep, he says, and you will lament. You will have sorrow and you will have grief. Jesus doesn't kind of tie it up in a little bow and say, be happy. He doesn't lie to his friends like that. Jesus tells it like it is. He said, this life is hard. This life hurts. And what he's doing is he's giving his friends some insight on what is in their future. It's not going to be easy. If you continue reading the New Testament, you'll see that Jesus was giving his apostles a clear picture of their future. There would be sorrow. There would be weeping. There would be mourning in their future. And I want to break some bad news to you today. If you were a believer here this morning, you know this too. You've experienced it. Many of you, in fact, are experiencing it right now. Fact is, as a church family, we have had an abnormally high number of deaths connected with people in our church family this season. A lot of them. And let's be honest. That hurts. That hurts. Just in the past few weeks, I've counseled with people in our church family who are struggling with addiction, who are fighting for their marriage, who are battling depression, who are trying to stay afloat financially. All conversations that have happened within the last few weeks. The way of Jesus is filled with struggle. In a really great book called Authentic Faith, author Gary Thomas explains the value that you and I find in these times of struggle. Here's what he writes. He says, the time will come when all of us will be done mourning, but that time is not now. That time does not exist on earth. 
Thomas continues, mourning invites us to a deeper life. A deeper life. Now, some of us would say, well, wait a second. I just want to be happy. I did not sign up for a deeper life. I want to swim in the shallow end of the pool. I just want the sun to shine on me all the time. I'm not interested in the deeper life. What is the deeper life anyway? And why is it that I would strive to persevere on my journey if it's all sorrow and strife? What is that about? Church, let's look back at our text. Pick it up at the second half of verse 20. Jesus says, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. For when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I, I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice. And no one, no one will take your joy from you. Remember when the apostles were confused? Remember when they were troubled by his words just a few moments ago? Things have changed here pretty quickly. Jesus continues his explanation of this pending death and, and subsequent resurrection that he is going to experience. And what he does is he helps those who he's sitting with and all who read this text see that it is in the experience as we experience the amazing joy of the resurrection only through the amazing grief of the cross. You don't get the resurrection without the cross. You see, the theme of joy following sadness is not new. It's not a new concept. In fact, the psalmist helps us see this clearly. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture. It's Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy, joy comes in the morning. You see, true, deep, lasting joy comes at the expense of sadness and loss. And this is the lesson that Jesus wants his apostles to know as they face an incredibly uncertain future. But church, this is also the lesson that he wants all Christ followers to learn about our journey too. That while there is certainly tremendous sorrow and hardship, we also get to follow Jesus in abundant joy. God's people can experience an abundance of joy in Him. And let me be clear. Let me be clear about this. This isn't some syrupy happiness based solely on our circumstances. Circumstances change, they shift. You may have a fantastic morning and a terrible noon and a wonderful evening. Circumstances ebb and flow. What we're talking about is the foundational understanding of the Christian life. There are things that wear us down and beat us up, but those things are ultimately replaced by the joy that we have in Christ that can never be taken away ever. 
But let's be candid with each other. Based on the circumstances of our lives, you might be sitting here today saying, well, that's wonderful, Pastor. I'm struggling to see that. That's really wonderful that you would say that joy can come in the morning. I don't see it today. My circumstances are too heavy. Well, what I want you to do is once again consider the setting. Consider the setting of the text today. Jesus is speaking with his friends, and the circumstances that they are in in that moment are anything but awesome. Jesus tells them their sorrow will turn into joy. I know, Jesus says, I know what's on your horizon, and I'm going to tell you the sorrow that you are going to face will ultimately turn into joy. How can he say this? Because Jesus is thinking beyond the temporary, and he's thinking beyond the immediate. He's thinking long game. Wait, like family, there's a lot of times that I stand on this stage and behind this pulpit and I refer to our Christian faith as a journey. This is why. Because it's long. It is rarely straight. Almost never is it just this straight line. It's filled with twists and turns, ups and downs. Everybody's journey that I know includes both peaks and valleys. And as Jesus told his apostles in this moment, he says, you will rejoice at the end and no one can take that away from you. No one. Now let's look at the last segment of our text. John 16, verses 23 and 24. See where all this leads. It says, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. For all who have repented of our sin. For all who have believed upon Jesus' sacrificial work on the cross, we now are striving to walk in the ways of Christ. We are now set to experience something else. As a follower of Jesus, we do so now with confident boldness. Followers of Christ now have confident boldness in him. That's what we pull from that text. The final two verses of today's text helps us see that our joy, the joy that the believer has is found complete when we are found fully in Christ Jesus. He is the source. You see, it is only because of Jesus that our joy is made perfect. It is only because of Jesus that our knowledge of God's plans have been made known. It is only because of Jesus that a new way to the heart of God has been opened to you and to me. Everything that we ask and everything that we receive is done through Jesus the Christ. So this is why when you and I walk with Jesus... We can have boldness before a holy God because it is not about my goodness and it is not about your goodness. It's not about your circumstances. It's not about your situation. It's not about how good you can be or how holy you can be. It is about how good and holy Jesus is. 
So friends, the application of this point right here in this text is pretty clear. You guys ready for it? Are you ready for it? Pray. Pray. Because as a believer, you are encouraged on the journey of faith to bring your cares, to bring your concerns, to bring your grief, to bring your sorrows, to bring anything that God has placed upon your heart to the Father. You have full access to God in Jesus Christ. So here's the application. Humble yourself and pray. Pray. Make your request to God because it is through this consistent fellowship with Him in Christ. That's how your joy is made complete. And church family, this is why the way of Jesus leads to the fullness of joy. It's not because of your circumstances. It's not because of your situation. It's not even about your happiness. The joy of the believer is found in him alone. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.